I said to be able to spend the Lenten season reflecting on some of the simple things, the basic things of our Catholic faith. Again, the hope is that all of this is review for you, and you can just simply be edified by the fact of, of hearing the things once again and knowing that you are following our blessed Lord in them. Uh, but if not, certainly an opportunity to be able to, to hear and to learn something anew and to, to be encouraged uh, in following our blessed Lord, maybe in a particular way uh, that you hadn't heard before or, uh, or maybe challenged by in some manner. One of the ways that I would like to spend this season is reflecting on uh, the precepts of the church, the precepts of the church. Uh, they are essentially the, the bare minimum of what we, uh, what we are called to do as Catholics uh, in, a, in a positive sense, uh, the positive things that we are called to do uh, to practice our Catholic faith. The Catechism of the Catholic Church uh, introduces exactly what this means. I'll give you the definition and then break it open a little bit. It says, the precepts of the church are set in the context of a moral life bound to and nourished by liturgical life. The obligatory character of these positive laws decreed by pastoral authorities is meant to guarantee to the faithful the very necessary minimum in the spirit of prayer and moral effort in the growth and love of God and neighbor. And so uh, a few points. Uh, one of them is, is that this is uh, the very necessary minimum. Uh, uh, you know, essentially, what do we have to do to be able to, to call ourselves a practicing Catholic? Uh, that's, what these, uh, that's what these positive things are, these indicators of, of what's, the, what's the basic, you know, the, the bare bones level. If you're looking for a bare bones level, what is, what's the minimum that I have to do to be able to call myself a good Catholic? Uh, these are uh, the starting points, right? Uh, and so this is a, 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 the beginning of things. This is not the heights uh, of, of living our Catholic faith. This is the, the starting point, right? And so secondly, uh, it does indicate that they are obligatory in character, right? The obligatory character of these positive laws, right? And so it's something that, that they are binding upon us, that they are not things that we can just kind of take in, you know, take it or leave it, uh, and more or less uh, our cafeteria Catholic style uh, of, of, of receiving things of the faith. But these are things that are binding upon us, uh, that they do have gravity. As we indicated in the, in the bulletin last week, and these are things that very often are, are accompanied by a grave, a grave sin uh, for the intentional neglect of them. Uh, and so it's important to, to recognize that these are things that are indeed uh, very important for us. Again, they are the very necessary minimum. Uh, if we go below the minimum, we're not hitting it, right? If we, if we avoid the minimum, we miss the mark already. We haven't even started getting, you know, rising uh, to the greater things, the loftier things. And so uh, it is to recognize that there are things that God has given to us, the divine law, right? So there are things that we cannot ever change, no matter how much we might, might try, no matter how much a particular individual might want to change things, no matter how much the Pope would, would write a nice long encyclical defending a new change in, in position against what divine law tells us. Divine law is divine law. God said it, we simply follow it, right? So then there's, there's that, but then there are also other laws that fall under that given us by Mother Church that can change or can be dispensed by a particular individual with such authority. And so these, uh, each of these laws can be dispensed uh, in some particular manner uh, by, uh, by any of the priests of the diocese, by any of the deacons of the diocese uh, who are ministering here. 
uh, because the authority has been given to us by the bishop uh, to be able to do so for particular circumstances, not just kind of broad strokes, but to be able to do so in, in a particular manner for, for concrete circumstance. And thirdly, these are, as the, as the paragraph from the Catechism mentioned, they are positive laws. They are things we are to do rather than just don't do these things, right? So these are attributes of our, of our Catholic faith, of things we are to do, active, positive things that we are ourselves to pursue. And so the, uh, the precepts of the church are five or sometimes six. Uh, so I'll give, you, I'll give you the five. All right, and so the first precept of the church is you shall attend Mass on Sundays and on holy days of obligation and rest from servile labor. Two, you shall confess your sins at least once a year. Three, you shall receive the sacrament of Eucharist at least during the Easter season. Four, you shall observe the days of fasting and abstinence established by the church. Five, you shall help to provide for the needs of the church. And six, which is kind of like the Pluto of precepts. When I grew up, Pluto was a planet. Now it's not a planet. And no matter how much they tell me it's not a planet, to me, it's still a planet. It was drilled in. It's just there, right? I'm sure many of you are probably in the same camp. So is this reality. There's also a, traditionally a sixth precept that's not currently included in the precepts of the church, but was for centuries, and it's that you, you shall follow the marriage laws of the church. I'm not sure why we decided that Pluto was good to get rid of, uh, but we're going to talk about that one during this time as well, just to make sure we cover all the bases uh, on these things. And so I want to begin today with, with the first of the precepts. So each of these will get its own particular homily, uh, hopefully less than 30 minutes like you got last week, but you never know, right? Sometimes Father Brink gets talking and just won't stop. Uh, so if you, if you want to pray for shorter homilies, maybe you can offer your prayer and fasting uh, during the week for, for abbreviated forms of, of explanation of such things. But simply to begin with the first, you shall attend Mass on Sundays and on holy days of obligation and rest from servile labor. It's pretty straightforward. Again, we're not, uh, the, the precepts of the church are not attempting uh, to be, you know, uh, d incredibly difficult to attain. They are not uh, terribly complicated in understanding what it means. Again, they are the very necessary minimum. What's the minimum? Go to Mass on Sundays. Go to Mass on Holy Days of Obligation. Do not work on the Sabbath, right? And so it's, uh, a few points on each of these. The first is to attend Sunday Mass. There's arisen a, a belief, uh, and, and sadly, a teaching among some priests of the church that missing Sunday Mass, skipping Sunday Mass, is not of, of a serious nature anymore. And they are seriously wrong. The catechism of the church still maintains that to intentionally skip Sunday Mass is grave sin, mortal sin, right? And to intentionally skip Mass uh, and to have mortal sin on one's soul means that you ought not to go to communion until you go to sacramental reconciliation uh, to be able to, to be freed from said mortal sin, right? And so it's this reality that it is grave in nature. And the reason it is grave is because God said to do things, right? So it's interesting because this, this first of the precepts is tied together. So it's, it's a human law that can be dispensed to, to some degree, but it's intimately tied together with the divine precept, the divine law of to keep holy the Sabbath. So we can, we can dispense, I can dispense an individual from the obligation to attend Sunday Mass for some particular reason. If you can come make your case or you have something going on, you need to be dispensed. I, as, the, as, the, as, as a priest of the diocese, can dispense you from that. What I cannot dispense you from is keeping holy the day. 
right? And so typically what's, what the requirement would be is, okay, well, if you can't make it to Mass because you're going to be in this situation and you, and you, and you understand that the, the difficulty would be, would be rather serious, then, then I as a pastor could say, okay, well, you're dispensed from the obligation to attend Mass, but in exchange, I will ask you to, to pray a rosary and to read and sit with the gospel readings for five minutes, you know. Or I'll ask you to, you know, to, to be able to, 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 you know, to do any number of things, right? So usually it would be something, some kind of religious activity that would still be done to be able to, to keep holy the Lord's day uh, so as to maintain the divine precept, the divine law, even in the midst of dispensing from the earthly one, the human one that comes through, uh, to us through the church. So again, these things are, are grave. Uh, it is a grave importance to be able to attend Sunday Mass. But if Mass is not possible for you to get to, the obligation is not binding. If you are in the ocean, if you, if you decided to go on a cruise, and the cruise happens to be going out on a Sunday, and, and you know, if, it's, if it's, over, it's over the weekend, if you can't get to Mass, you do not have an obligation to jump into the sea and try to swim to the nearest church that you can find. That would be absurd, of course, right? If you find yourself out in the wilderness, if you're, if you're out there, if you're, if you're hiking, hiking the Appalachian Trail or something, if you're, if you're out in the, in the mountains on a multi-day uh, wilderness hike uh, and you can't get to a place where there is a church, obviously the, it's not binding and it's not grave sin if you, uh, if you cannot make it, if you literally cannot make it. Um, there is no, there is no uh, sin uh, upon you. If you intentionally put yourself in places so that you don't have to go to Mass, I would question the intention of your heart there, right? Um, you know, and in most cases, there, there's a certain reasonableness, you know, as, as the time, the reality that, okay, well, I can, I can you know, I, I slept through, so one time I slept through morning, I slept through the morning Masses, and the nearest Mass was a Spanish Mass two and a half hours away at 8 p.m. Hmm. Does it bind? I don't know. I just went to confession afterwards because I wasn't willing to do it. But they're, they're, again, these are, these are questions that could be challenging to us, you know. And so that's the, the, the fact of things is, is if we cannot get to Mass, the Mass, the obligation to attend is not binding. Also, it is not binding if you, have, uh, if you are sick or if someone you are directly caring for is sick, right? If you have a parent with a, a child who is sick or a spouse who is sick or a parent who is sick or someone else that, you, that you're a caregiver for, um, then it is in Christian charity you are to, to stay with them rather than just kind of wish them well and leave a, leave a can of Campbell's soup next to, next to the bed or to the toilet and, uh, and move on with life, right? Um, you know, right? In Christian charity, it, it obliges us to be able to, to care for them and certainly do the best we can to, uh, to, to line up alternative care if we can to be able to get to Mass at some point that day. What one cannot do is dispense oneself from the obligation to attend Sunday Mass, or as uh, the church would call it, to, uh, to commute, uh, to commute the, uh, the obligation. Uh, so if, uh, if a person regularly works shift work, or you're, you're uh, you know, working in the hospital, or you're, you're doing something where every other weekend, your Sunday and Saturday evening are all entirely full, and there's literally no way that you can get to Mass, but you still, you know, you, again, at that point you would be uh, dispensed of the obligation. But such a person could come to their priest and say, is there something I can do in, 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 instead? Since I can't make it every other Sunday, it's just part, part of the job, right? If I can't make it every other Sunday, is there something I can do? The priest himself, the pastor, because again, he has that authority given by the bishop, can say, well, yeah, if you can't make, if you can't make the Sunday Mass, uh, at least sometime on the Lord's Day, spend some time praying with the sacred scriptures and, and perhaps make one of the daily Masses this week. 
An individual of their own free choosing cannot say, well, I didn't make Sunday Mass, but I'll make Tuesday Mass, and that'll count instead. That's not an option, right? So the individual doesn't have the ability to just kind of, you know, I'll go on Wednesday. You know, sometimes people like to go on Wednesday because Wednesday's only 30 minutes and Sunday's, you know, 45 minutes or an hour, right? So it's easier to go on Wednesday. You know, you get the full, it counts, right? But it's only half the price. Um, But this is not reality, again. Because in all of these things, the goal is not simply to, to be able to, to kind of check off something on the list, nor is it simply about one's personal relationship with Jesus, although that is certainly an important part of things, but rather it is the nature, it is the nature of the church that we are communal, that we are all a family brought together in Christ, and we are members of the body. None of us is baptized as the entire body of Christ. All of us are baptized as members of it. And as members of it, we need other members. And so this is a part of the call of, of Mother Church, is for us to ensure that we are taking part in the Christian community, that we're not simply distancing ourselves from our brothers and sisters in Christ. This was something even in the early church that was wrestled with, this temptation to kind of have a me and Jesus type of relationship with, with the faith. Is it was St. Paul even, in those, even just in the first decade or two after the, the death and resurrection of our blessed Lord, It was only a short time after that St. Paul had to write to the communities and remind them, do not be like those who absent themselves from the community worship. Don't be the people who skip Sunday Mass, essentially, right? We need to gather together. There's a calling for us to be part of the community and part of the body of Christ and to, to be actively such, to be engaged in such with all of our brothers and sisters in the Lord who are around us. All of this also applies to the holy days of obligation. Holy days of obligation are, of course, they are serious. They're days of, as, as, uh, as some priests have said, they are holy days of, of obligation, not holy days of if I have the time, right? And so it's, they are binding upon us. They are grave things for us uh, to be able to, to, to get to Mass during those times. And that's why we'll have vigil Masses, morning Masses, midday Masses, evening Masses, all of these things, again, to be able, as priests, our job is to be able to make it, make it viable for you to be able to actually fulfill the precepts. So there's a reason we have multiple Masses on, uh, on these days, on Sundays and on Holy Days. And so it's, uh, it's an important thing and a serious thing to be able to get to Holy Mass, as well as, as best as possible, to spend some time and in in, in, in rest from servile work. Uh, now, that's uh, sometimes difficult if you have, if you have a nine-to-five job or if you're, if you're you know, uh, caring, caring for the home and, and dealing, with, uh, dealing with kiddos, and uh, it's not like you can just take the day off and kind of kick back and relax, right? And your boss will surely understand, right? Um, but it's uh, to be able to, to at least spend some time on the days of obligation when they fall during the week, to, to at least spend some time that day to be able to give something to, uh, to our blessed Lord. And then the third piece there is, of course, that, that rest from servile work. And this also, uh, the entire purpose of the day is, is really meant to be a, um, a drawing together uh, with the Lord uh, as a family. And so that's uh, kind of the, the, the purpose, that was the foundation of it all, is really that, that it was a time to be able to set all the other stuff of the week aside and just to, to be able to grow in our relationship with God, to be able to spend our time with the Lord, to be able uh, that the Mass is the centerpiece of the Sunday, of the Sunday rest. It's the, it's the time where we come and, and do find our rest in Him, but also to be able to do so outside of that.
It's, it will be a good and praiseworthy practice to be able to, to spend time, uh, extra time in prayer that day. It's a good day uh, to do a family rosary if it's not done regularly. It's a good day to, to maybe spend some time doing some sort of spiritual reading or, or to, to be able to, uh, to make an extra trip to, a, to the church, you know, Adoration Chapel, these kinds of things. It's an opportunity for us to be able to spend a bit more time with our blessed Lord and also to do so in the midst of our family. Our family, of course, being the, the ones that we draw close to together with our Lord, to be able to spend all of this time making sure that we actually build up our family of faith as well as our, our families at home, uh, the families that we have gathered around us. It's these two things that we are called to, uh, called to observe and to be able to honor on the Lord's day. If you would like to read more about all of these things, I would encourage you to be able to, to go to the internet and to find the document Dies Domini, the Day of the Lord, uh, from St. John Paul II. He wrote an entire document on all of these things in, I think, the, in the late 90s. Uh, he wrote a document speaking about the Lord's Day, the importance of the Eucharist, the Sunday obligation, the Holy Days of Obligation, what it is to rest, all of these things. Right? And so it's a beautiful document that's, that's available to us. And so in the end, uh, ultimately, this is, it's not simply just a, uh, uh, you have to do this thing because we have to do this thing. Certainly that is, that is part of it. You know, the, Lord's, the Lord did place upon us an obligation to honor Him, to be able to, to keep holy this day of the week. But in the end, also it's a tremendous challenge to our faith, of our willingness to trust in the Lord. Because the simple fact is that, that we uh, always, always have things that we could be doing or want to be doing on the Lord's day that sometimes, very frequently, will need to be set aside if we are to keep the day holy. It's one of the challenges that I continue to face as a priest, is maybe I can do just a little bit of, a little bit of something this afternoon, right? And it's something that, that I certainly faced during the seminary. The, end of it, the reality in the seminary was there was lots of book work and lots of class work and lots of other things, extracurriculars outside of just the, the regular class work and the prayer to be able to, to show that you were a good seminarian. You had to have your hands in all kinds of pies, right? Uh, and so it was part of the requirement. It was a, a great deal of, of book work and reading. And so it was my normal practice that I would do. I would do some of that on Saturday and then go enjoy a Saturday, you know, go, go, go play with friends at, you know, the, at the park, go do something fun and exciting. Uh, but then on Sunday, I would buckle down on Sunday after the Masses in the morning, and then I would get to work. Right? I, I, would do my, I would do my reading, I would work on a paper maybe, you know, pre prepare for the class for tomorrow morning, these kinds of things. And I was mentioning this to my spiritual director, and he said, Brent, stop. Stop what? <laughs> and he said, stop working on Sunday. Do whatever you need to do for the rest of the week. Stay up later, fine and good. He's like, but do not do your work on Sunday. Do not study on Sunday. It's the Lord's day, especially as a man studying to be a priest. Spend it with the Lord. And then he told me the story that has continued to, to resonate and sometimes it's like a thorn in my side uh, when I'm wanting to do work on Sundays. And it was a story of St. Jean Vianney. St. John, who, uh, as, a, uh, as a parish priest, was sent out, uh, sent out to, to a, little, uh, a little village uh, in, in southeastern France. And he went there, and at first, whenever he, he arrived, uh, there was not even really a Christian community to be spoken of. The church was empty on Sundays, so the atheist, the atheist club essentially would meet at the church because 
they didn't have mass. There was nobody there who actually believed anything. So imagine showing up and seeing that the atheists are the, 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 the Sunday visitors to your church, right? And so it begins to spread the faith and evangelize, and people start to come, uh, and they're, they're responding, responding to his call and invitation. But he started to notice something after a few years as the, as the people were, were coming in more and more, is he noticed that during the harvest season, the men wouldn't be there. They would be out in the fields because they have the harvest, right? It's, it's harvest season. You can't just let it sit there. It's not just going to sit forever. It's only for a certain amount of time. You have to get it done within, the, within this, you know, frame of time. Otherwise, it will be lost. And so he went out during the week while they were working, and he spoke with each of them individually, and he said, I promise you that if you do not work on Sunday, if you give the day to the Lord, if you come to Holy Mass, and if you spend time in prayer, if you spend time in the gathering in the community for the catechism lesson that would be offered in the evening time, if you do these things, you will not have to worry about your harvest. It will all be gathered in the time that you have. And for those who are willing to trust him, and to be able to set aside their work on Sunday, they found that it was absolutely proven true, every single one of them. We don't know how, whether it's the Lord who stretches time, or whether it's that He makes time more productive, or some kind of mix of both, but the simple fact is that they found that every last one of them, if they were willing to give God the first part of their week on Sunday, the new day, the eighth day of creation, if they were willing to begin with the first given to the Lord, He took care of all the rest and made everything work out as needed. My spiritual director encouraged me in that. And then he said, now, the question is whether you trust God enough to be willing to gamble some of your time. Are you willing to give some of your time, Brent, so that trusting that the Lord will provide for the rest, to take this eight or ten hours that you do need, you legitimately need time to, to be able to do the work for school, Are you willing to trust that the Lord will somehow make it possible elsewhere? And in the end, I was willing to to take that trust, to take that gamble, and I found the same was also proven for myself, that I didn't know how, but when I was willing to give to the Lord, everything worked out in the end. I was having more than enough time to be able to complete my assignments, and they seemed to be able to go a bit smoother. And this is part of the, the beauty of this positive law that is given to us, is it's not simply, again, just a, a do this thing, but each of them, each of the precepts of the church, are an invitation to trust in God in some particular manner. And today, as we come and celebrate this holy day, this Sunday, we rejoice to hear the Lord's prayers. We rejoice to hear the Lord's word spoken to us. We rejoice to gather into the Christian community once more and to be able to place our trust in Him. And as we continue to do so this day and each week, we surely will not, will not be proven wrong that the Lord is always faithful to us. If we're willing to give our time for Him, He will make everything work out in the end to His glory.